0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I'm so excited you are here today. My dear friend Allie Ash is joining me. Allie is... Just an encourager of people. She is a coach, a certified life purpose coach. She's certified in restoration therapy, as well as a trainer for the relationship resource. And she's passionate about cultivating healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy leaders and people. And God uses her in crazy, awesome ways. And I thought it would be great to have her come on it and have a conversation about what emotionally healthy spirituality looks like? What does it look like to walk out my faith, but to do it uh, without bringing all of this baggage from my family of origin, from maybe trauma I experienced as a child into my relationship with God and with other people? And there's a lot of ways that we receive healing, a lot of ways that we can receive God's presence and restoration in those areas. But then after that restoration, we need to learn how to walk that out. And those require sometimes some very practical tools and practices to take those our thoughts captive and to believe and trust our identity and renew our minds. And so this is a great conversation of how to integrate the supernatural with the natural how to integrate our faith and our feelings, and to um, just hear what God has to say and receive the things that He has for us. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. So Ali, thanks for being here. I'm excited to have another conversation with you. So you and I did a podcast in season two, episode 10, called Prayer Begins Here. Um, and I think did we do a two-parter? Yeah, we did two parts. Did. So I just would encourage people, if you want to um, just learn more about prayer and where to start, I think a lot of people get intimidated by prayer and feel like it's for the pastors or the very spiritual leaders in their churches or whatever, like, oh, you know, I can't pray like her, I can't pray like him, or I just want to say amen to agree with whatever those very spiritual people say. <laughs> but it's really intimate relationship and conversation. So you and I got to have a fun conversation. So I just want to encourage people to go listen to those because um, I think they're powerful, but thanks for being here. I wanted to have you back on the program as it were (laughs) to talk through. So you're a certified life coach. You've been in ministry for a really long time. You worked with relationship relationship resources, excuse me, for a long time, both as volunteer and on staff and built their entire skills workshop program, which equips, there's women's skills, men's skills, and couples skills. It equips people to integrate their spiritual life with their emotional and mental health and life which is really powerful. We're also in a season that I feel like the church is finally learning that the two need to be integrated. They're not mutually exclusive. So um, maybe the old, you know, old things are passed away. Behold, everything's new. You should never struggle. Have anxiety or something, you know, if you are, are you reading your Bible enough? Are you praying? We'll get over it. Just no patience for process or maybe I received some supernatural healing and and deliverance from really hard things. I've uh, experienced trauma and Jesus has brought some incredible restoration, but now I have to walk that out. And so you have a lot of experience with all of that. And have seen God move firsthand with some of your classes uh, in those places. And so I just thought it'd be really cool to have a conversation about that. You and I could talk for hours on any of these
1: things. So yeah, I don't know where you want to start. Thank you um, for the introduction. And yes, this is a topic that I am really passionate about, and partly because it is a piece of God's story in my life. Um, so it's a space where my testimony speaks into you know why I believe in the process of spiritual formation and specifically where it intersects with mental and emotional health. I think um, a great place to start is Ephesians um, 4.22. Paul says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness and i think we read that verse i know i did when i you know tried to figure out what it looked like to live my life for jesus and i think for many of us we think well if we have a relationship with jesus we shouldn't struggle with some of the things that we've struggled with before or yeah. that we should automatically be you know freed from these areas of of darkness and and really you know shame and um just feeling embarrassed of maybe things in in your life before you entered into a a relationship with Jesus. So uh, what I'm finding is that sometimes what you were talking about earlier, Gina, is that um, when we immerse ourselves in, you know, church community, more or less, or in God's word, we feel like if we just prayed more, if we just knew more scripture, or if we just, you know, practiced what we see, what we just read, then we shouldn't struggle. And I think... Um, I think it's it's both and, meaning, of course, um, God can do miraculous healing. Of course, you can be freed from some of those struggles. But, you know, for most of us, the process of growth, the process of transformation happens as we continue to deal with some of those things and we continue to, you know, seek God's way in them and actually go through what it looks like to, you know, grieve, protest, Um, surrender, um, learn how to take our thoughts captive. So um, the workshops that I get to be a part of and get to facilitate um, focus on just that. We focus on unpacking family of origin. We focus on unpacking uh, understanding sexuality, understanding our coping, shame, um, forgiveness, and specifically renewing the mind. So we get to um, do that in a group environment, which is really beautiful. I think there's a lot of things that you can't learn outside of relationship.
0: Yeah, and so good of,
1: um, being with others. So um, yeah, that's one of the one of the many things I get to do that helps um, women specifically identify. And really uh, test their thoughts, seeing maybe what's connected to false core beliefs or maybe what's connected to areas that God's inviting them into healing um, in order to, you know, learn how to refute those lies and then reframe it with God's truth, which will directly connect to our moods, our behavior, our choices, the way that we can live our daily life.
0: Yeah, so good. I, there's a couple of things that, well, there's several things that you get on, but Um, I think you, you know, you nailed it. Community is, is such, I I think that we have largely missed what spiritual community is and could be in maybe the modern evangelical church. Mm -hmm. So we can be alone in a crowd, you know, Um, and like you kind of alluded to, so I, I can come to Jesus, I can have uh, an encounter with him. um but I can still come to church and look around me and feel like everybody else is living this life where they have victory in Jesus or they seem to just be thriving with him or 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 and what's wrong with me and if they knew what I was dealing with and and that shame and that accusation happens and Um, there's that isolation that happens in a crowd where I'm too fearful to speak about what I'm going through and what I'm wrestling with. And so these classes kind of give a safe place for people then to actually maybe say, well, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. Uh, I came to know the Lord and I've been walking this out, but I still can't shake this thing. And they're in that cycle of I'm trying to take my thoughts captive and, you know, they're, or they're trying to do in their own strength, all this stuff, but they haven't really allowed the Holy Spirit and Jesus into those places to bring healing. And so community when you say we're made for relationship and how integral that is, you know, relationship with Jesus intimacy, but then relationship with one another, because that's, that's where we can bear one another's burdens. That's mm-hmm. where we can um, pray for one another. That's where we can do all those things. And I think the enemy uh, is laughing all the way to the bank a little bit because he's, he's convinced us that mm-hmm. that isn't a safe place.
1: Yeah. I love it when people say, well, Ali." I thought psychology you know is bad aren't we supposed to stay away from therapists and and counseling and you know obviously each each situation each person's story is is different and one of the things that I you know feel like God is showing me more and more is how to meet people where they're at so I always try to you know really study and understand by listening and watching kind of the verbal and nonverbal cues from people to see you know where where I can get access, so to speak. So, yeah. you know, when you think of even just the greatest commandment you see in the Gospels, you know, people say, well, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Yeah, that's good. So therefore, God cares about our whole being and that includes our mental and emotional health. Yeah. So being open to exploring, you know, if, if you're immersing yourself in Bible study and immersing yourself in scripture is absolutely necessary and beautiful. Yet, if you keep coming up against some of the same blocks or same um, kind of areas where you feel like, I just, I don't feel, you know, the intimacy that I desire, or I don't feel, you know, like I'm able to be me. I don't even know who I am in relationship Mm -hmm. with others. Then I feel like those are clues that maybe God is inviting you into deeper places that need healing and that need surrender. And some of those things can be unpacked in really beautiful ways when you're actually willing to step into a a coaching, counseling, you know, therapeutic relationship. And I personally love, you know, human counselors that believe in Jesus because you can come from a foundation that's rooted in truth. And so you look at it in a different way because you're basing it on the foundation of how we were created and that we were created in the image of God. Therefore, we have these Innate needs and desires that God put in each one of us, and we're inherently relational. So you can um, look at your life from the perspective of truth when you seek, you know, support from a Christ follower that's yeah, equipped good. to help you see maybe some of the the blocks or the you know areas that um, there's past trauma or there's past um, pain that maybe you didn't even know at the time you kind of dismissed or just tried to not address. Um, But now is the time that maybe God's inviting you to address those things and to really heal so that you can surrender and step deeper into your relationship with him. And like he says, grow us up into the image of Christ. Um, I love that.
0: And, you know, it's interesting as you're talking, I think that it's easy for believers to um dismiss emotions and absolutely we shouldn't be ruled by them right but if you don't receive them and look at them and kind of go okay why why am i angry why am i hurt you know whatever those are clues <laughs> to the things the roots the things that those are manifesting something that's deeper and emotional health is a part of spiritual health like you were saying they're integrated and um you know, I work with a ministry called Soul Shepherding. They're doctors of psychology's spiritual directors, and they minister to pastors and leaders to bring emotionally, relationally healthy leadership to the church. Because I mean, let's just be honest, it's one of the unhealthiest places, ironically, right? That here we know Jesus, we have the gospel, we have hope, we Trust him, you know, all these things. And yet we struggle so much in how we relate with him and each other. And we bring baggage into all of these relationships. And I love Bill has an article, Bill Galtier, one of the founders, wrote about Jesus being an emotionally healthy leader. And Jesus has emotions. Like there's, I think he has a, I think he counted them. There's like 39 emotions that Jesus goes through from anger to heartbreak to weep. you know, all of the things. And it is possible to, to yield our emotions to the submission of Jesus. And my dog is barking in the background, but that's okay. Um, And so, you know, there's balance it's just so easy for us to want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We swing the pendulum too emotional too psychology is bad. So we just go running the other direction and want to negate all of the thing rather than coming into this, like where do these things intersect? Where does the truth of, of God's word and the gospel and the things, the way Jesus lived his life, right. um, the way he interacted with people, the way he cared for his disciples, the way he gave, gave them permission to get it right and get it wrong. And, Peter lopping off ears in the garden, like, <laughs> you know, all those things. How do we allow that for ourselves and then for right. others, right? Because it's one thing to allow it for myself, but it's another thing to like, I'm, I'm in the body of Christ. I'm in spiritual community. I'm in a my family. How right. do I give permission for people to be in process and on a journey and right. have the grace and empathy and compassion um, for right. one another in that process?
1: Well, I think- as adults, you know, because usually we don't start to think about some of these things until we're actually in relationship as adults. And so yeah. I think I'm learning that, um, of course, we want to be, you know, present and future focused in the sense where we don't want to dwell in the past. But I'm realizing that when we're willing to look back and understand where we've come from, it's really helpful to understand how we got where we are and then what changes possibly could we make um, in the direction of our future. And you see in, in God's word, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, a lot of people are looking back for the purpose of it launching them forward for future promise and also to understand and remind themselves of what God has done and his faithfulness so I think in our own lives, if you're willing to look back and go, okay, you know, what can I what can I take with me that might be helpful to help me understand why I'm so anxious? You know, yeah. why am I so anxious right now? You know, anxiety is something that is more and more, you know, prevalent um, currently as Gina and I are talking. We're we're still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And so you see anxiety is one of the number one struggles um, with people right now. And, looking at anxiety and saying, okay, anxiety is actually meant to help me. It's an emotion that's meant to show me that something I'm at the end of myself and something needs to change. Yeah. So as you start to unpack anxiety, you know, what is it, what is it rooted in? And you know, what can it encourage or motivate you to, to change? And I think helping um, our self talk around anxiety by saying, you know what anxiety you you're uncomfortable I don't like the way you feel, but you can't hurt me. And actually you can help me if I, Mm. if I look into what I could be addressing from where it came from and then what it could help me maybe make some changes in doing. So another example could be, you know, you're feeling like you have such a short fuse and you at any moment can, you know, fly off the handle with anger well, what's kind of underneath that anger? If you're willing to pause and ask yourself, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. So underneath that anger, am I feeling, you know, rejection? Am I feeling abandonment? Am I feeling, you know, unwanted? And what we unpack in our skills workshops is actually um, looking back to maybe the first time we remember feeling that. So when was the first time you remember feeling uh, rejected or unwanted, And a lot of times, as silly as it sounds to say out loud, a lot of times, you know, we'll have a memory from like third grade or second grade, you know, um, an example could be, you know, a second grader goes out to play on the playground and a sixth grader takes their backpack and throws their backpack and all their books fall out. And that isn't necessarily traumatizing. But when that little second grader goes home and looks for mom or dad to kind of tell them about their day and and either perceives or the reality is that mom or dad isn't available, then now they have all of these emotions that they don't have tools to process. So now this event becomes traumatizing instead of just something traumatic that they learn to process and get the skills for by, you know, having mom or dad to talk through it with. So that's just an example of how, you know, something that we might dismiss as something silly as a little person, now influences how we feel as an adult when we, yeah. you know, get that old familiar feeling in our body of being rejected or abandoned or unwanted, and now we think it's circumstantial to the actual person that we're in relationship with. When in reality, they're just revealing an old familiar wound that was never able to be processed from that little second grader who had their backpack, you know, thrown yeah. on the playground. So there's all sorts of examples like that, and actually now I'm getting into another topic that we. Uh, talk through in workshop and in coaching called that um, some of the epigenetics or some of the intergenerational transference of trauma, which is a big word basically to say that, you know, as babies we're not born with clean hard drives. You know, we're born with stress responses um, that have been passed down to us from mom or dad or from even grandma and grandpa. So there's this whole other way to understand what's going on in our brains and in our bodies that if we start to get insight to can make it less scary, um, yeah. can help us take self-agency. So help us see what, what are my choices now that I know what I know Yeah, to live intentionally and to not let this emotion overwhelm me to the point where I'm now feeling isolated, but it can actually inspire and motivate me to make some changes to live an intentional life. That's so good. And so I want to
0: there's so much there. I want to I bring something in. And I, I love this because depending on maybe the tradition that I was raised in in my spiritual life. So maybe I was raised in a, like a Lutheran Catholic, you know, or maybe I was raised in a, just a very evangelical, like a Calvary chapel or a very charismatic or Pentecostal environment. We can, presume that these things are contrary to maybe the what we grew up with so when you're even talking about trauma that is that we're not necessarily a clean sleep when we're born that trauma can come with us from generational things in a charismatic world we might say that it's generational sin or curses or things that have gone through the the family line right so none of these things are contrary right and that's what I think is so powerful that if we can look at that, let's say I uh, and I have. I'll I'll just share a little bit of my story. My both of my parents were alcoholics. My parents were not married. Both my parents were. Um, my dad was adopted. My mom was adopted. Although there's, <laughs> juries out on if both parents adopted her or if she was my grandmother's biological. It's long, crazy story. A lot there. Uh, My mom battled with alcoholism and bulimia, felt completely rejected. I mean, hard, hard things. Her mom was essentially sold into a marriage when she was 17 in a very abusive uh, situation. You know, I mean, it just goes back and back and back. So here's my mom. My mom has me. I'm born into this. Yes, it's a dysfunctional family, but I'm also carrying the weight of all of these things that have tormented the women in my family. So when my mom died... When I was 30, that's a whole nother story. I would love to share the testimony of that. God showed up in really profound ways, but she died, succumbed to her drinking, her alcoholism. And the Lord like picked me up and there was miraculous things I was seeing happening all around. It was amazing. And after about a month, it felt like God put me down and it felt like everything that had a torment in my mom came after me. I thought I was gonna hurt my kids, start drinking. I mean, it just, it was an all out assault, on my spirit, my emotions, my everything. And I did go and receive prayer. It was this sweet couple in their sixties and they prayed and I, I received significant deliverance. God set me free from some oppressive demonic things that had been passed on that had been tormenting my family. But the the guy who prayed for me even said, we, we finished, not, again, that's a whole nother story. I'm not going to go into all the details. It was powerful. It was beautiful. It was emotional. It was all those things. But he said, okay, these things are gone. They're not on you, in you, however... That doesn't mean that they're not going to knock on your door again, that they're not going to whisper those familiar things. So those familiar temptations, some, some circles call familiar spirits, right? They will come and try to make themselves at home again, but now I can recognize them. I can identify them. I can call them out for what they are. And I can now take those thoughts captive, right? Because if you go earlier in that verse, so it's like giving you the authority to tear down every stronghold and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So now I'm armed with the knowledge of who God is, who I am, of identifying what is me, what is not. And I now I have the authority to take those thoughts captive. So the things that you're saying, I think my point is, I'm being very long-winded, they're not contradictory. To the spirit. They're not contradictory to the word. They're not contradictory to the supernatural work of God in my life. Mm-hmm. They are acknowledging those things and then empowering me to then walk them out. And I right. love that you talked about anxiety. I think there's so much, even in the Christian world, about anxiety, about how to deal with the symptoms of the anxiety in the moment, like breathe. That's so very good. You want to breathe, how, how to de-escalate the emotion. But I love that you're going, This can't hurt me. This is actually telling me something. So not just looking at the anxiety, like, how do I just get rid of it? But how do I actually use that anxiety to experience further freedom?
1: Right. And trying just to address that topic, um, trying to ignore or suppress the anxiety actually is what leads us into panic attacks. Mm. So if we're able to just acknowledge it and go, oh, there's that panic. There's that anxiety. Oh, there she comes. You know what anxiety you're uncomfortable, but you can't hurt me. And you actually address it by acknowledgement and kind of process what it's feeling like, even though it's uncomfortable and we don't want to, it's actually really helpful to then start to release whatever it is that has been built, built and built up to the point where you feel like you're going to panic. Um, but I love, Going back to what you shared, I love your story, Gina, and I love that um, not only are you a miraculous, you know, daughter of Jesus, who you know is now living in this whole other world. When you talk about where you came from, just genetically, and you know yeah. your parents and grandparents, it really is miraculous, and that you are able to see, um, you know, even though you had people will say like, oh, it's just just the way I am. It's the way my mom was. It's the way my grandma was. You know, it's just the the cards I was dealt. And now you're saying, no, no, actually God's word says um, that, you know, we're free indeed, that Jesus came to give us this life and life abundant and filled with joy and peace. And so if we know that and we see what God's word says, but then we live in this broken world where our experience is much different. I think what we're both talking about that we get excited about is reconciling those two yeah. and learning how to not only um, address and deal with and acknowledge the brokenness, but then to go after and even receive what God says um, he came to do and why yeah. Jesus even exists. So I I did want to just address, you know, when you look at the beginning in Genesis God created us and he created us in his image and we were outside in the garden in this perfect love relationship with the Lord and with another person so yeah. you see that God cares about human relationship as well yeah. and then you see Genesis 3 sin enters the world and now we're still here living in this broken world yet with the hope of what's to come and a yeah. victory already in Jesus so it's really powerful when you can start to dive into um, the truth of of what God says, but then our humanness and the way the brain works, because what you were sharing, you know, when you realized that you still had some of the struggles and the maybe tendencies to, you know, um, cope through some of the things that you shared, you saw your mom struggle with or your dad struggle with. We we say in class a lot that the brain does what's easy, comfortable and practiced until you teach it something new. It's going to do what it's always done. So we try to reconcile, again, this truth of what we read in God's word and what we know to be true with what we're thinking and feeling and wrestling with in our day-to-day life. And so we start to bring light into just the way that our brains work and how they've been wired. So, you know, maybe you start to explore some of this stuff. Um, People who are listening, maybe you're in your twenties or your thirties or your, you know, seventies or eighties. And you're just now going, okay, I wanna understand why I do what I do. You know, why does my brain automatically go to wanting to withdraw? and isolate when I'm feeling, you know, excluded, or, you know, unwanted, or inadequate, you know, a lot of us feel like we'd never say this out loud, but we feel like we've failed. Why would we even try? You know, we, Mm. we don't have what it takes. So just don't even get out of bed in the morning. And it's this very hopeless, um, hopelessness that we feel. And we don't realize why we just automatically would go and isolate or you know, we're seeing so much more um, depression and even suicide, yeah. and so unpacking that in a way where we can go, okay, well, what do I bring to the table? You yeah. know, genetically, what what do I bring to the table with where I've come from? You know, you yeah. look at family trees and you start to go, oh my gosh, there's mental illness and addiction on both sides of mom's side and dad's side yeah. Yeah, and then you look into your grandparents generation and you go oh my gosh they endured war they yeah. endured famine they endured uh, maybe they're immigrants maybe they were enslaved oppressed Yeah. Um, you look at all of these you know circumstances that our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents endured and you go okay so they're brains, the way God created our brains is that we can constantly learn new things. So they learned how to cope with that environment. And so now they have these coping mechanisms that they needed at that time to survive. Yet that's what we're talking about when we talk about epigenetics. So now it's not that the DNA changes the way that they express themselves does. So now they have these epigenetics coded to have a response to certain stressors or certain challenges that they're proving now is passed through the placenta into baby hmm. when grandma's pregnant with mom. Um, so, so let's, let's talk about that for a minute. So let's say when your grandma was pregnant with your mom in that fifth month of pregnancy, mom has all the eggs she'll ever have, you know, cause women don't produce more eggs. We have all the eggs we'll ever have when we're in mom. Um, so, Fifth month, grandma's pregnant with mom. Mom has all the eggs she'll ever have, and now they're saying that the emotions of grandma are being passed through into the placenta into mom, and we are one of those eggs in mom. Yeah. So we're actually now receiving emotional um, hormones through grandmother. So you've got three generations that are basically in the same bio, you know, environment in the fetus. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go, okay, well, it would make sense why I'm a little more, you know, sensitive to some of these things that maybe grandma endured through being in a marriage that was abusive, or through being in, you know, famine in war torn countries. But now we here we are in the 20th century. And we don't have that environment that we need those coping skills. Yeah, but we're still we have a stronger response to some of those stressors in our life that maybe we're realizing that's actually not helping me in my relationship to have this, you know, escape mentality or these coping things that isolate me from the people that I actually want to be more intimate with. So it's this, this whole other, you know, level of understanding what epigenetics do to how we're wiring in our responses to situations that actually don't need those stress responses, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, God, God created our bodies to heal from the inside out. It's that, you know, neuroplasticity and even just our immunity. I mean, we're, we're made to to heal from the inside out and our brains can learn new things all the time. So that's why I think it's so um, powerful and important to understand where you've come from um, genetically, but then also to understand what God's word does in light of some of those circumstances that maybe we've, we've endured or our parents or have endured or our grandparents have endured and how we can always make changes and step into a more free and joy filled, peaceful, abundant life, yeah. uh, but not being scared of those things, actually using them to have insight, to understand so yeah. that we can make changes.
0: It's good. Yeah. It's that it's reorienting, right? It's, um, that is what redemption is, right? It's, it is real. And, and we're always on in process, you know, that's what this process of transformation is that, you know, so I'm here, I'm 53 and I, you know, my mom died, like I said, in 98, and there was a significant, uh, hard, beautiful, messy redemption, healing, seeing God move on her behalf, Mm -hmm. In the course of her death, which I need to share that story at some point to Mm -hmm. my uh, experiencing kind of all this spiritual attack and oppression and really being delivered from that and recognizing some things, but it's not like it was like, oh, phew. All done. You know, it was a step in my transformation, it was a step in my sanctification. It was a step in my journey with Jesus to step into more healing. And then it's like a, the onion, right? God, God only takes us as far as like we can go now. And then after a bit, he's like, okay, you know what? It's time to do another layer. Let's get a little deeper. Let's go a little farther. And um, in my 40s, I had a huge moment with the Lord where. I recognized I had processed and dealt with the trauma of of my mom and my relationship with my mom and her brokenness and stuff and I thought I had processed with my dad but I really hadn't processed the reality you know my parents weren't married they I was told that they were married and divorced. Um, it wasn't until I was twelve that I was told they actually weren't married. So that moment was like, I'm a bastard. I was unwanted. I was a mistake. Then I didn't find out until after my mom died that, in fact, my mom got pregnant to try to get my dad to marry him. So she had told me a fabricated lie that they were in relationship that uh, they wanted to get married. She told me that my dad was told he couldn't have kids, so she refused to marry him, and then she got pregnant. And then he wanted to marry her and she said, no. So she just, my mom fabricated this whole thing. She even changed her name legally to my dad's last name, like so much fear, so much, all of that stuff. So here I am a grown adult with kids gone through so much like healing and stuff. And I just feel like an idiot because I didn't know the truth. My, I was talking to my dad one day and he's like, I'm like, yeah, you didn't want to have, you know, you couldn't have kids. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's not true. No, you're. I didn't want to marry your mom, and she one day got pregnant, and said, now you have to marry me. And I'm like, no, I don't. So, you know, all of that. So here I am, having to process again, having to come to face to face again with a whole nother understanding of the unwanted that lie at the core of me. Having to come to that reconciliation. You know, my dad didn't actually want me, although he loved me right? You know, those kinds of things. And so are we okay with being, that isn't a failure. That isn't a, why can't I just get over this and go on with my life? That's the grace of Jesus kind of bringing us a little closer, taking the healing a little deeper. And for some people, it goes deep fast and there's a lot of um, restoration and redemption really quickly. And for some people, it takes longer. There's more of a journey and it's, Okay. I love the fact that in the Bible, Jesus never heals the same twice. Like he spits in the mud here. He does, you know what I mean? And can we have grace, not just for ourselves, but others on their journey of transformation and healing, on their journey of discovery with Jesus, on their journey of restoration and understanding that we're worthy of God's love, that he is pursuing us, that uh, he went to great lengths. Yeah. Jesus went to great lengths, not just to get us into heaven, but to restore us right. fully and completely mind, soul, body, spirit, emotions, all of it. Right. And what would it look like to make space for that? And
1: yeah, I love what you're sharing because I think, you know, you get to this place where you go, oh my gosh, like look at where I've come from and how much of it is built on lies or, you know, built on, you know, this maybe equation that I know I made as a young adult. Um, My story is similar, but different than, than Gina's and that my parents were married and got divorced when I was 17. Um, But within that, I remember going, Oh, well, my whole life feels like a fraud. You know, everything I thought to be true is now fraudulent. So for me, well, life's a fraud, you know, don't trust people. And so that became kind of this underlying equation that I I then went into, you know, college and into my marriage with. And this was before I had a relationship with Jesus. But I think pausing and going, you know what? None of us chose who we were born as. You get yeah. what you get. And God knows You know, and he's at work in that. So if instead of dismissing or ignoring or being afraid of, you know, where we've come from or where we are currently, what if we actually turn towards it with the Holy Spirit and invited the Holy Spirit to kind of take inventory and reveal the places to us that maybe have some really rotten roots that we don't even know exist But now that we're willing to partner with the Holy Spirit in those places of darkness, we're going to not only realize that those places can be healed, they can be surrendered, um, but they can also help us connect to others in some really powerful ways. And they can help us experience an intimacy and dependence on the Lord that we didn't even know was possible. So good. All because maybe we feel like we shouldn't have to deal with stuff from, you know, when we were little or, you know, in our first, those who have been married multiple times, you know, in our first marriage or, you know, we, we create these, um, you know, phrases that we don't even know we're listening to that just tell us, you know, that we shouldn't even try, we're not worthy of, or, you know, how embarrassing that you call yourself a Christian and you still Mm. struggle with these things. So I'm learning in, in my own life and in the workshops that I get to do that if we are willing to kind of be playful with it and almost address, um, you know, the voices or some of those false core beliefs as parts of us, and we talk to those parts, mm-hmm. um, you know, it might sound weird, but if you think about it, we do it in our everyday life. We say stuff like, well, on one hand, I think this, and on the other hand, I think this. Similarly, you know, there's different parts of us, and and based on our stories, we have these parts that really protected us uh, yeah. in different times of our lives, and those parts are pretty amazing, but maybe now as an adult, we don't need their help anymore. Oh, uh, so good. Now, we have Jesus and he not only protects us, but we're learning how to step into healthy relationships with others. So we have a community that can help us.
0: Uh, Hold on a second. I just, I, there's some, there's some things I don't want to like skip by. So there's, well, that let me just, before I go to the first one, that last one, I'm so glad you said that, that, that um you know we do we create these things for self protection and there comes a point where it's like okay you know what i actually don't need that anymore and one of the i was at, i remember uh several years ago i was at a, a retreat and um there was a friend who actually does inner healing prayer and trained in inner healing prayer and i was walking through something pretty significant and hard and one of my daughters was going through some hard things and i was really struggling with that and um, we were in this prayer and, and there was something as we were, it was like a deep inner healing prayer. And at one point um, I said, I feel like there's a wall, there's a barrier. And she's, and this is where, how she led me. She's like, okay, that wall was there to protect you and you don't need it anymore. So why don't you just think the wall and tell, thanks. I'm good. You know what I mean? And it was like, but there was something about that, like acknowledging and seeing Thank you, but I don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, I just want to say it's it's there's semantics. I think it's easy for us to get very triggered by certain words and like, oh, that sounds this is very biblical and (laughs) like okay, so let's put it in biblical language. We're gonna tear down every stronghold and high thing. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so that wall. Was a stronghold. It was a high thing because I didn't have the capacity as a child to kind of recognize that God can be that bear, that that strong tower and refuge. Right, um, you are the strong tower that I run into. Right, so I didn't feel that. I didn't have that. I was not safe as I. So I built my own tower for protection and getting to that place of going, I don't need you anymore because you know, right. I have Jesus so I can tear down that stronghold right. because the very thing that I've constructed to protect me is now the very thing that is standing in the way of my freedom and healing and further intimacy with Jesus. Right. right? Oh, boom.
1: Yeah. Dude. It, it really is a whole nother way of looking at how to renew your mind and renewing mm, the mind. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It's a consistent and constant choosing to renew your mind and taking your thoughts captive. And I would encourage, you know, people who are listening that go, oh, I just I don't have many emotions or, you know, emotions are for girls or whatever your your thought is on emotions." <laughs> yeah. Actually, the first step to renewing your mind is identifying what it is that you're feeling and thinking. Yeah. So, being able to identify what you're thinking means you actually have to pause and go check in with yourself. What am I thinking? You yeah. know, if you maybe you have like a, a mood, you know, you wake up and you're just in a, a funky mood. Well, instead of just dismissing that, what if you were like, you know what, I'm going to pause and ask myself, what am I feeling right now? What am I yeah. thinking? And even better, write it down. You know, journaling, sometimes you think there's there's like a template or a format that makes journaling the proper way to journal, but actually journaling can just be a brain dump. You can just dump whatever it is you're thinking. It can be fragmented. It could be pictures. Is that your like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have, I've, I've have it sitting here
0: from the (gasps) little, yeah. So you did a a workshop at the church that we're both at new community church and Vista, because there was a lot of anxiety coming up and you, you talked people through what you called my pain and peace cycle. Would you just like, quickly go through that because I thought that was just a really powerful tool and I think we can say hey journal or and I open my journal and if I'm not a journaler I look at the blank page and I don't Know where to start but I think this really helps people with an understanding
1: yes it's one of my favorite tools and uh, Dr. Terry Hargrave is who gets credit for uh, the pain to peace cycle and it's from um, what he and his wife created called restoration therapy so it comes from looking at um, the pillars of healthy relationship so um, restoration therapy teaches that the pillars of healthy relationship and when we say relationship we're talking about with God with ourself and with others. And that those two pillars are love and trust. Yeah. So love is our identity. We know who we are by how we're loved. It's yeah. when we go, you know, am I unique? Am I worthy of being loved? Am I lovable? It's all these questions we're asking when we're even a little person up until adulthood. Uh, so that's that pillar of, of identity, of love. And then that second pillar is trust, So I'll know I'm safe with you, Gina, when I can trust you. Uh, So safety is, you know, another thing that we're constantly scanning our environment for, you know, is this person dependable? Are they going to do what they say they, they are, are they reliable over time? You know, so two pillars of love and trust is what foundationally builds healthy relationship. And then you look at throughout our life, those things have been disrupted, broken, violated multiple times. So because of that, we learn how to cope. And that is what takes us to this next layer. And underneath the love pillar, we would see blame and shame. Mm -hmm. And underneath the trust pillar, we would see control and escape. So these are kind of the spin out or the coping um, from when we felt violated in that space of being loved and that space of feeling safe. So all that to say, um, the pain to peace cycle helps you identify four steps that can really regulate your mood in a moment. Yeah, And they're personal to each of us. So although it's the same format, the words are going to be different. So for example, number one is to say what you feel. So you're going to say what you feel in those moments of typically conflict, relational conflict, yeah. or a stressful situation. Yeah. So the first step is to see what you feel. And my kind of go-tos are that I feel misunderstood. Mm. I feel devalued. Mm. Therefore, I feel unknown mm. and unsafe. Yeah. Those are like my automatics. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to my husband, if I'm at work. Um, then that, that happens in milliseconds. I will start yeah. to feel those feelings. When I feel those feelings, then I tend to do something. So that's number two, that's your coping. So you're going to say how you feel and you're going to say what you do when you feel that way. Yes. So what I tend to do is that my my heart will start pounding and I get a little anxious. And when I feel that Anxiety, it actually prompts me to to do something. So I tend to perform. I overperform. I'll work harder. I'll do whatever needs to get done to try and make things better. But usually that doesn't work because it's not a healthy way of responding. So then I very quickly get to the point where I blame. And I will blame in my head, I will blame out loud, <laughs> I will point it at you, you, you in the next one, and then I'm so embarrassed that I just blame that I withdraw to protect. So I very quickly will then retreat because I'm now protecting myself. So that's my step one and my step two. Now, step three is where we want to get. Step three is God's truth. So the truth is, and truth comes from God, um, it comes from, you know, others, it comes from ourself. So my truth is, is that I actually am understood. Remember, my first feeling is misunderstood. So my truth is that I am understood. I'm understood by the Lord, by my Father. I'm understood by those closest to me. And therefore, I am valued. I have great value. And I'm known, therefore, I'm safe. So you go through the truth, and then that truth is going to help you go, now, instead, I can... So remember my coping. So before I was coping based on feelings that were rooted in lies. Now I'm in my truth and out of my truth, I have new actions. Yeah. So when I'm functioning in my truth of being understood, being valued, fully known and safe, therefore my new actions are, I can <sighs> relax and let go. Yeah. I don't have to be anxious anymore. And when I can relax and let go, I'm able to value myself and nurture others
0: yeah and when good. I'm
1: valuing myself and nurturing others, I'm able to stay reliably connected. I don't have to withdraw to protect. And when I say reliably connected, it's not just physically, it's emotionally, right? It's relationally. So that's um pain to peace cycle from the Hargraves. and it's really helpful in um when you realize that you're hijacked or maybe your your mood or your, you know, actions are just out of control that would be a moment where you could look back and go okay well what was i feeling when that happened because we never want to miss opportunities to learn from what happened so instead yeah. of feeling you know embarrassed if you have a fight with your significant other or your child or your parent look back and use that as an opportunity to ask yourself you know what was i feeling what was the lie i was believing mm, you know what good. did i do when i felt that way Yeah, And then you're going to try and go, okay, but what's God's truth? What does his truth say about me, about, you know, who he is and what's my new action off of that truth? So that's really how we're, we're trying to renew the mind, but not just renew the mind in our thought process, because it's directly influencing our behavior and our actions. Because ultimately we want to be able to regulate what we're thinking, regulate our moods to where it influences our actions to live out of who we are in Christ. And I suggest like a great way to, um, to kind of test that if you're like, well, my behaviors are fine. I don't struggle with my behaviors. We'll test them to the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, are you able to, are you a loving person? Do you have joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? You know, those are kind of ways that you can test and go, am I living out, you know, in a way that reflects the fruit of the Holy Spirit? yeah the fruit of the spirit and and i would
0: also say the love chapter um yeah. because it's easy to go well no i i that's that's loving well let's define love yeah <laughs> patient kind <laughs> keeps no record of wrongs right all mm-hmm. those things and i i love this um because it's it's moving us to learn how to respond versus react
1: Yes, um yes. and
0: and what i love about who you are is that it's easy, I think, to get kind of almost in a hyper spirituality where then there's nothing that I can put actions to, or we can go the other way and get very action, like works oriented. And then, you know, if I do this, then this will happen. But there's this, again, it's that integration of how do I receive God's presence (laughs) how do I enter into intimacy with him but then how do I walk that out and how do I become more self-aware how do I not get caught up in just the frenzy of it all right right and then one other thing and I'll probably will end shortly after this because I feel like there's a lot here and I want people to be able to I don't want to give them too much to process Uh, I want to go back really quick and just you alluded to where you know, you don't choose what you're born with, who you're born to, you get what you get. And I think, again, going back to even how we were raised in tradition, it's like God's sovereignty. Does God's sovereignty mean it's God's was God's will that I was born into? This very difficult situation, or I was something very traumatic happened to me. That's a very hard thing to reconcile God's sovereignty and his plans and his purposes versus, in my opinion, his redemption. So, um, I can only I'll speak from my life, you know again, with my upbringing with my parents, not married, a mess, alcoholic, highly dysfunctional relationship pregnancy to try to trap for marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I came to Jesus, when I was 12, my mom's best friend, who was a cocktail waitress as well, God saved, invited my mom to church. My mom said, no, she asked permission to invite me to church. For some reason, my mom said yes. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother story. I met Jesus. Like I didn't like, I was like, who are, uh, yes, who are, you know, it was like this, uh, I had intimate relationship with him first, not knowledge of him first um, through that, through coming to know him. But at 12, 13 years old, because that was around the same time that I found out that my parents weren't married and that mm-hmm. I felt like I'm a bastard. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. All of that was uh, when I came across Psalm 139, God gave me Psalm 139. Like it was spoken over to me and I could not receive it. I didn't understand it. Like you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. No, like this, my parents horrible, weird relationship was a sinful, how could that have been God's will that they have this tumultuous relationship and then I'm born of it. That doesn't reconcile. I really struggled with that. I And yet that was a theme to the point that the pastor who married Norm and I, Mike McIntosh, um, that was the verse God gave him for our wedding day. And he wow. said at the wedding, he's like, I've never used this verse in a wedding, but for some reason, this is what the Lord wanted me to speak over the two of you. And there's that understanding and that mystery, like we have to we have to be willing to accept that God is God and we are not. And there has to be mystery. We can't understand everything. But the reality is, like you already talked about Genesis. You talked about that perfect union in the garden. And then in Genesis 3, that was broken. And then this, this plan of redemption was set into motion. And so, and in the course of that plan of redemption are things like David and Bathsheba. <laughs> David killing her husband, having this adulterous affair, um, them having one baby that died, and the second baby—that's the line that Jesus came through. So even his redemption of humanity came through these circumstances that were fraught with pain and hard things. And so, can I receive the stop? Not get hung up within the fact, like it was God's will that this horrible, uh, my family, that this happened. Mm -hmm. Could it be (laughs) that? in this crazy, mysterious world that God created and the necessity for free will and the brokenness that that invites, God's redemption in that is taking what was meant for evil, the things that were meant that came as a collision of brokenness Can then be turned around and woven into something miraculous and beautiful because I was the first one that got saved in my family. And subsequently, so many of my family members have come to Jesus. So much redemption has happened through this seemingly horrifically tragic, what a waste of a whatever situation. So, what does it look like to let go of that weight? And that, um, the gnarly expectation or the self-condemnation that, you know, I find myself in this place yeah. and what does it look like to, to surrender that to the Lord and look at a verse, like, um, all things, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we, we use and abuse that verse. We, can be very cruel with people um and say it in the wrong times but there it's true <laughs> it's yeah. true yeah. um but it's hard and it's messy and it can be painful but it can be miraculous and beautiful mm-hmm. and
1: um yeah yeah i think you explained it so beautifully that um for whatever reason god chooses to use pain as a way to reveal himself to us yeah. and our perspective really is limited. And so I have to trust that based on who God is and, and how he sees and knows and, you know, is sovereign with full foreknowledge is far beyond my ability to understand. And so I don't know why, you know, you see pain and, and brokenness, um, throughout, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, and that we still sit in that story and experience it too. And, you know, those are tough questions that people will say, you know, well, why should I believe in God if he allows, you know, babies to be murdered, or people to be abused, or war uh, to happen? You know, and in that, I, I try to go to what I do know. And what I do know is that, you know, that's why Jesus came. And that's why we believe that, you know, there is this eternal perfection that's yet to come, but that now matters and has um, this profound and eternal purpose in it. And we see that in so much of Paul's writing that he, he calls this a momentary affliction, a no, momentary good. struggle, and that we can endure it in light of what's yet to come, an eternal glory. Yeah. So when he compares eternal glory with a light and momentary yeah, Without affliction or struggle, I have to trust what I don't understand, believing that I can endure. Yeah. And you also see in God's word that he says, the Lord is faithful to finish the good work he started in us. Yeah. So anyone who's afraid to dabble in, you know, healing or in breaking bondage and mm-hmm. and living in that freedom that Jesus says exists don't be afraid because he promises to be with you in it mm, and to continue to finish that work that he started yeah. so you're not going to be left alone there are people there are resources that can journey with you and it's always worth it because we're talking about the god of the universe we're yeah. talking about our creator so he's going to continue to provide in ways that we don't even know we might need Yeah. so it is um and even this I mean talking about it sharing with people being in community is one of the ways that we heal and yeah, that we break you know the generational bondage or those epigenetics you know yeah. that we we now are realizing we have somewhat of a choice in yeah so good so good thanks Allie yeah this was fun
0: This is a good conversation and um, I appreciate you so much and the things that God does in and through you. And, um, you know, even just recently, the recent skills class you did and the miraculous stories that were coming out of that and the transformation and healing that was happening is, is deep. So um, thank you for who you are and all you do. Thank you for your voice in my life. And uh, you're also a Stockton Ministries Board member. So <laughs> appreciate that.
1: Uh but yeah. Thanks, Allie. Appreciate you yeah. being here. Thanks for the time and conversation.
0: Yeah. I just want to take a moment and if you resonate with some of this conversation. Maybe you're someone who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, but can't seem to get past certain cycles. Maybe it's anxiety or depression or anger. Maybe you struggle having healthy relationships and boundaries. maybe you encountered a supernatural touch from Jesus and received some deliverance and healing, but have been struggling with how to walk that out in your day-to-day life and in the relationships that you have. Or maybe you have never received healing, you've never had the opportunity to allow god into those places of hurt and pain into maybe difficult things from your childhood or trauma that you've experienced and those walls of self-protection that you built for survival have become your strong tower Jesus wants to invite you into a place of healing, a place of safety, a place full of his loving kindness, full of empathy and grace. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for all of your sons and daughters that are listening to this. God, I pray for peace, supernatural peace that passes understanding to guard hearts and minds in you. And Holy Spirit, I pray for pathways of healing I pray for encounters, supernatural encounters with your presence. I pray for safe, loving community full of prayer and intercession. I pray for Christ-centered, biblical counselors, therapists full of the Holy Spirit and equipped to help. People walk on that journey of wholeness and healing. And Father, I pray for courage for those that recognize they need healing to take that first step, to trust you, trust in your loving kindness and your goodness Trust in your faithfulness and the work that Jesus did. Trust the victory that we have in him. So, Lord, thank you. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to give you some tools and some opportunities if you are on a journey of healing, whether that means you are just recognizing for the first time, wow, I've got some stuff I need to deal with. I have some wounds, I have some baggage that I've been bringing into my relationship with Jesus and my family and those around me, and I want freedom. If that's you, um, there's some resources in the episode notes, um, connections to the relationship resource to Allie and to other resources that she recommends where you can take those steps to start to discover those areas of brokenness that need healing. And maybe you've had some of that, you've received healing, whether it was through inner healing prayer, deliverance, uh, counseling, therapy, whatever avenue that you have stepped into some healing, but maybe you're needing some practical tools to walk out that healing, to walk out that renewed mind, to continue to take those thoughts captive and to not allow the patterns from before rule you, I also have some resources that Allie gave me to offer to you, the pain and peace cycle that she alluded to, as well as some other things. And I really encourage you to take advantage of those and allow Jesus to meet you in the middle of your journey. If you would like to help, support, stockton ministries and the production of this podcast you can make a tax deductible donation in the episode notes there's a link or you can go to our website GinaStockton.com, and click the donate button in the top right hand corner and another super simple way that you can help out the podcast is by rate and reviewing us on itunes it makes a difference it elevates our visibility and just shows that you are being encouraged and god is using this podcast in people's lives I hope that you have an amazing week, that you know that you are seen, that you are known, and you are loved. See you next time in the
1: sacred space.